clothes on and get ready for an amazing new episode. What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of White Coats Podcast. Today, season 5, episode 5, we are going to be discussing mental health treatment. We're going to be breaking down CBT, DBT, medication, self-help, mindfulness, meditation, and much, much more. So without further ado, I'm going to give the floor to Lauren. Lauren, go do your thing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about CBT? What even is CBT? Could you please let us know? Okay, so CBT is one of the most popular, one of the best ways of getting mental health treatment. Now, CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. This is mostly focused on your thoughts. When DBT, which Arielle will get into later, is a lot about emotion regulation. It's more about your emotions and how you feel. This is a lot about how your thinking and your thoughts affects the way that you feel. So let's talk about the core principles of CBT. One, the first being mental health issues are based on faulty or unhelpful ways of thinking. Mental health issues are based on faulty or unhelpful learned patterns and behavior, stuff that you learned in your childhood from your parents, that kind of stuff. Um, and also that people are suffering with mental mental illness, can learn coping skills to relieve symptoms and become more effective in their lives. Now, those are the three core principles that CBT is all about. It's really about saying, this is what's going on in your life. This is how it's negatively affecting you. We're going to change those thought patterns. We're going to help you think, uh, think differently so that you can be more effective in your life, be a happier person. Mm-hmm. So this typically involves recognizing thought patterns that are causing issues gain a better understanding of you and others' behaviors and motivation. This was interesting because at first, I thought it was just gaining a better understanding of your behavior, but it kind of makes sense that it's other people's as well. Because then, if you recognize other people's behavior, then they won't affect you as much, or you would learn how to further empathize or connect with them as well. Lastly, use problem-solving skills and coping mechanisms. Now, typically, a cognitive behavioral therapist would give something called homework. So this is where at the end of your session, you are told, okay, so now that we've talked about X, why don't you try to do this with X and try to, you know, challenge yourself or something to really, to get those build up those resources so that you're more resilient really Mm -hmm. that's what cbt is all about and this is pretty much used for any mental illness i mean from depression to bipolar disorder to um, borderline personality disorder it can really help everyone out now the caveat in here is that someone with like narcissistic personality disorder a lot of personality disorders they're not that likely to to seek out help. So really everyone could use it. Um, but people with depression, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, PTSD, those are the people that are more likely to really feel that something's wrong and want to change that. So those are the people that are most likely to, to seek out CBT. Now something that's interesting is a lot of therapists are will do a combination of CBT and DBT. So Ariel, why don't you talk to us about what DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy is all about? Right. So DBT, like you said, stands for dialectical behavioral therapy. This is a type of therapy that combines strategies like emotion regulation, acceptance, and mindfulness kind of just to better yourself and kind of the goals are pretty much the same it's just kind of a different method of doing so so this is really interesting I like how you said that therapists use the two of these together because Mm -hmm. you know sometimes it's not only one right solution to do something you do need a little bit of this and a little bit of that so 
thank you for uh you know bringing that to the table uh, dbt yeah. the main goals are to teach people how to regulate and cope with their emotions and to teach people how to really live in the moment like in the present moment mm-hmm. not be distracted by you know be too caught up on what happened in the past or too focused or anxious or anxious about what is going to happen in the future but kind of really try to right. live in the moment so interestingly enough uh, DBT was originally developed to treat only the only borderline personality disorder, but this treatment has shown so much success that it has evolved to treat many other conditions, including PTSD, yeah. bulimia, depression, substance abuse, and binge eating. So that's super interesting because uh, you know this was so specific to just uh, you know b- borderline personality disorder, and because of so much success, you know. Uh, people found that it can benefit so many more people and, you know, can bring help to so many more people. So that's yeah, great. I totally agree. When you said it just um, helps treat BPD at first, I was thinking about how mindfulness, um, and we're going to get to that even more later, can really benefit people. Like I, the first thing that came to mind was eating disorders. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people, for example, binge eating, like you mentioned, it's a lot about saying, wait, I'm binge eating. Why don't we stop? Why don't we live in the current moment? Be mindful about Mm -hmm. what we're feeling. What would it feel like without that food, without that binge food? And that's like exactly like what you said. Um, Emotion regulation, accepting what's going on, mindfulness. So I think this is such a great way, such a great treatment. Yeah, 100%. Um, Next, just a little bit about how it works. So this can be used in three different therapeutic settings. Um, for example, you have a group setting, which you could be focused on role-playing, learning behavioral skills, uh, completing different assignments and homeworks like you like you defined earlier. Um, then you have like, individual therapy. Of course, this is done with a trained professional, and you learn how to apply the skills um, into your personal life and, and more personal challenges that you're facing. And lastly, you have a yeah. phone coaching, which usually this is done between sessions. And this is really good to receive guidance or coping mechanisms when you're in a, when you're currently facing a right. situation and you kind of need guidance or some assistance, you know, you can do a quick phone session and that will be really helpful. I'm glad that you mentioned that because something really, really important to therapy is the therapeutic relationship between the patient and the therapist. For example, you shouldn't know a lot of information about your therapist Mm -hmm. um, because it should be all about you, (laughs) stuff like that. There's a lot of boundaries in place to make sure that therapy is as effective and healthy and like positive as possible. And so one thing that some most therapists do is say is say um like you're not you're you shouldn't have to or you shouldn't call me or text me or email me in between sessions unless you're in an emergency situation mm-hmm. and so i know that some therapists will will offer that to their patients and say, if you're in an emergency situation, you really don't know what to do. You're in an emotional crisis, then you can call me or stuff like that, like the phone coaching. Yeah. And really have like those set boundaries. So exactly. It's it's really true. Yeah. When you, when you, when you brought it up, I didn't really think about it like set boundaries, but when you brought it up, I'm like, actually yeah there are so many set boundaries in therapy like yeah I didn't even realize until you just said it but it's really true I've done I've done so much research on that because I think that therapy is very fascinating and helpful um and the therapeutic relationship is really unlike any other relationship it's so different it's someone that makes you feel seen that's there for you trying to help you yet you know nothing about them, yet you shouldn't call them in between sessions, yet you have an hour with them every week. It's so fascinating. And something that's imperative to therapy is is the focus on you, the patient. And so a lot of people within this relationship, there's something called transference, where if a patient, let's say, had issues with their one of their parents growing up and the therapist is 
really there. It's an adult that's really there for them. It can feel a lot like that parent relationship that they wish they had when they would, when they were younger. And so that's when transference can come in when you feel this attachment. And so a big part of therapy is looking at how patients show up in therapy, how patients act, how patients are attached to their therapist, because that can give so much away about Mm -hmm. the way that you act, your attachment style, your boundaries, all that stuff. So therapy is very interesting. Yeah, it really is. It's like you said, it's just a very unique relationship like no other. So it's really true. Lastly, just wanted to wrap up on DBT. Mm -hmm. Pretty much focused on learning skills, you know, mainly pertaining to acceptance and change, behavior, you know, collaboration, skill setting, and support. So that's kind of what you want to get out of it. You want to finish knowing and learning different skills pertaining to these things of course depending on where you at where you're at and what help what specific help you need with um you know you you have your own different skills and mechanisms but yeah that's a wrap for dbt next up medication lauren hand the floor back to you why don't you explain to us just break down medication for us tell us all about it Yeah, so medication, there isn't much to it, but there is a lot to it when it comes to the debate when we talk about, is this good or bad? Because we're still, we're continuing on with that good or bad season um, and theme. So we're going to discuss a lot more about it there. But medication, also called psychiatric medication, also called psychotropic medication, that's the Mm -hmm. clinical term for any sort of medication that helps with mental illness. This is um, always prescribed by a psychiatrist, um, licensed marriage family therapists, um, social workers, anything along those lines are not allowed to prescribe medication. It has to be a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a therapist, um, her name's Katie Morton. She has a really big following. um, And she pretty much, she's a therapist and she says that people who are sort of drowning in their symptoms and are really struggling, um, unable to function, live a good life um, or a bearable life, those are the people that really need medication. Um, And so not everybody that's struggling with mental illness, any sort of mental health issues requires medication. And a lot of people don't go on medication. but it's those people that are really drowning in their symptoms and um, they need like a life raft for support. Um, and conventionally, um, within within mental health treatment, um, medication, psychotropic medication is not used alone. It's almost always and should be used in conjunction with yeah. therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, usually people are either having them together or only doing therapy because medication is is one just one tool that you can use to feel better and get better but really the tools and resources that you learn in therapy those are what's really gonna help you out and so just a couple different kinds of um, psychotropic medications there's antidepressants so um, SSRIs um, and then you have anti-anxiety medications like benzodiazepines, SSRIs, antipsychotics, mood stabilizers, and that really just depends on the mental illness and that you're struggling with and the symptoms that you're mm-hmm. struggling with. Yeah. Um, well, one so, thing, sorry, I just want to mm-hmm. jump in really quick. I'm going to leave my opinion, and I want you to yeah. leave your opinion for the end. Okay. We could do a little debate on this um, yeah. about medication, but I kind of wanted to add a fun fact I always thought only a psychiatrist can prescribe. Well, okay, pretty much only a a psychiatrist can prescribe these types of medications Mm -hmm. in most circumstances. But interestingly enough, I found out that dentists could actually prescribe, for example, anti-anxiety medication to their patients um, if they are, you know, feeling very... Let's say you're going to surgery, you're getting your wisdom teeth removed, and you just have very very like excessive anxiety like fear of this operation like insane amounts 
um, which we actually talked about in, I don't even know, maybe it was season two or so, or three. Yeah. We talked about this. A long time ago. A long, yeah, a long time ago. But it's actually really interesting. Your doctor could prescribe you, you know, Xanax or whatever, any type of medication if you really need it. So that was interesting. I always thought, like, they would have to either ask a psychiatrist to prescribe it, but mm-hmm. they actually have the ability to prescribe it. That's interesting. I did not know that. I mean, personally, I would not recommend that. Yeah. Because I feel like oh. I would want treatment from someone who specialized in that. And and that reminds me of another thing is actually primary care doctors, other types of medical doctors can prescribe psychotropic medication mm-hmm. um, like some, some primary care doctors do. Um, but this is not advised because psychiatrists are trained in mental health of course and and mental illness and this would be a one-time thing usually it would just be you know like one time for the procedure and that's it not like oh you're feeling anxious here like i'll i'll give you a prescription this will last you the month like not not like that it would be usually that's interesting i did not know that so now that we've talked about one tool Uh, which is psychotropic medication. Why don't you talk to us about other types of tools like meditation, mindfulness? We've heard about it. What is it? What are the benefits? Let's get into it. Okay, so first off is actually journaling. Then I'm going to jump into meditation and mindfulness. But these tools are great for anybody and you don't need to be suffering from any mental health condition or in, you know, a bad state. This could even be like a preventative or just to help you feel even better, even more happy, more right. fulfilled, just more everything that's, you know, flowing in the positive direction. This is really, really great. This is completely the opposite direction of like medication and things like that this is things you can do on your own to kind of benefit yourself so i'm gonna jump right into it first off i have journaling journaling really helps you control your symptoms and improve your mood uh, in different ways so first it could help you prioritize your problems your fears and your concerns Um, it's actually really beneficial in tracking your day-to-day symptoms um it is a great opportunity for a positive self-talk and the best part is that all these things together can help you identify your triggers and that is really important when you know you want to you want to know what's triggering you so you know how you can change that or how you can eliminate the triggers um so that's really great um journaling in general you could just free free write you can have you know, prompts. I know there's different books um, yeah. that have different prompts in them. You can come up with your own system. I have different types. You probably have your different types, Lauren. Yeah. It's really great. You can, I, for me personally, I can't just sit down. It's very hard for me to just sit down and write everything because I'm like scared to do that because it gets me too deep into my emotions. So, Which is not a bad thing. It's No, it's not a bad thing, but I just need to learn how to do that. So I have my own process of getting there, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I yeah. like more of a guided like type of you give me a question and then I can focus mm-hmm. on that. Because if not, then I right. jump from here, jump to there. Then I'm like back five years ago. Then I come back to today. I'm like all over the yeah. place. So I yeah. like structure, but... Maybe you I really I always and honestly with all three meditation, mindfulness, journaling, I've always kind of rolled my eyes at these three. I was never a fan. (laughs) And I'm sure I remember. Yeah. And I'm sure some of you guys are like, who cares? But (laughs) but but really, and especially journaling, I'm still trying to learn, still trying to practice the Mm -hmm. mindfulness and meditation aspect, but journaling I feel like has changed has changed the way that I regulate regulate and recognize my emotions I have just learned so much about myself just from journaling um because I want to get deep into my emotions and my beliefs because I think that's so beneficial um it can give you such amazing reasons and really life-changing reasons for why you do the things that you do who what got you there something I really like to do 
um, that I, I have a template for this is I do a lot of habit tracking. Journaling doesn't always need to be emotion stuff, but I have habit trackers so I make sure I'm getting a good amount of sleep every night. I'm reading once a day. I am um, I'm drinking a gallon of water a day, that sort of a thing. I So I do it for that. And once I start getting in the habit of tracking to make sure I'm doing self-care like that, I just sort of get into it. I talk about in my journal, like when I journal, I have, I talk, I sort of check in with myself yeah. and I say, how am I feeling? And then I also have a book that it's called One Question a Day and it gives you journal mm-hmm. prompts daily, all different kinds of stuff. It could could be lighthearted, like, like what's your favorite food, could be something really deep, like what's the hardest thing you've been through, all different kinds of things. And I love it. It helps me get to know myself helps me reflect, helps me be a better and happier person overall. You know, I really, really, really like that you said it helps you get to know yourself because yeah. you would think you know yourself, but mm-hmm. really when you journal, no, you no, bring no. light to so many things you had no idea you do yeah. or even think about or even care about. Yeah. And it's really interesting because... Just you writing down how you feel, getting that, getting the ball rolling with your emotions or habits or anything you want to kind of keep track of and bring light to, mm-hmm. you can learn just so much about yourself yeah. that it's just crazy. It's really, really interesting. And, and I think therapy does the same thing. Yeah. When I've been to therapy, it's it's life-changing. It's I, I sort of get an epiphany every single time I go and in between yeah. in between sessions you like learn so much about yourself and I think the biggest thing with therapy with any sort of mental health treatment is self-awareness mm-hmm. and learning to say like right now I'm fidgeting with something and so therapy or journaling or whatever teaches you to teaches you to be like why am I fidgeting am I anxious am I nervous about this? podcast you know that sort of thing it just makes you like look within and and truly learn about yourself and learn how to be the most effective wholehearted person vulnerable person most successful person you can that's really what this is all about and what I love is that once you you pick up on different things and you learn different things as you're journaling that you could just apply in other places in your life or you know like you said like let's say okay, I'm fidgeting right now. Like, why am I fidgeting? And you kind of learn to catch yourself when you're fidgeting and kind of like question like, okay, why am I doing this? Then when you're in another situation, let's say you're in an interview or you're in a meeting or you're in class or whatever, and you catch yourself doing these things again, you know, you can really like shine light on something that you never even knew there was an underlying problem or just underlying habit that you had going on. So exactly and then and then you learn so let's just say you learn that like fidgeting is a sign of like anxiety then you learn Mm -hmm. you you are self-aware of every place you fidget maybe it's at the dinner table you're like I didn't even know I was anxious around these people or or you're you're at work and you're you're fidgeting all the time during your conferences or something or your meeting because it's and be so subconscious you don't even know like you don't even exactly And, and really that's what therapy is all about and especially CBT is about recognizing those patterns, those habits and bringing them to light and, and really unpacking all of that mm-hmm. so that you can learn what does this yeah. mean about me. Yeah, definitely. Okay, next up we have mindfulness and then meditation. And even I confuse the two, so I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. do, but I'm going to break it down and then kind of explain the difference. So mindfulness okay. is the practice of focusing your attention on the present and recognizing it with no judgment. And that's the most important part is the recognizing it with no judgment because that's what helps you keep a clear mind and not let what's going on like take over how you're feeling and take over your mind but you just right it's kind of like think about it as just you're being a bystander you're just seeing what's going on you're kind of exactly. feeling your emotions and you're not doing 
anything about it. You're not stressing out about it. You're not, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I need to go finish this right now. Wait, let me go do that right now. You're just exactly. sitting there. You're just observing. And it's it's a pretty difficult practice, but it's really great once you start to like master it or pick up on it. Yeah, I love that you said you're like a bystander because that's what you are. That's And that's what a lot of this is about is, is saying it, just because I think this way or I'm doing this thing, it doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me ill. It doesn't make me yeah. like anything. It just means you're a person that does that thing or or that feels that way. I think that's so important to, to mention because that's mm-hmm. what all of this is about is – is becoming that person that you want to be, not about judging the person that you are right now. Right. Um, next, or no, still in mindfulness, sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. One interesting thing was, I didn't know this, but mindfulness is actually scientifically proven to help reduce stress and improve your happiness. Mm-hmm. I knew that mindfulness was really great, but I never knew there was really studies done yeah. on mindfulness, which mm-hmm. is really interesting because... It really takes like the credibility to a whole new level because you and I both used to roll our eyes at mindfulness. Who thinks yeah. mindfulness is fun? Like <laughs> when you that? hear about it, it's like, oh, yeah. well, that's not really for me. Like it's great, yeah. but it's not for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, once you kind of get introduced to it and you kind of, you know, learn more about it and actually try it yourself and see like the benefits for yourself, you know, it really is great and it really does help. Yeah. Um, lastly, uh, within mindfulness, <laughs> mm-hmm. different types of mindfulness. So you have body scanning, breath awareness, yeah. you can do guided mindfulness, you can do, there's so many different types of mindfulness, which is really interesting. So let's say breath awareness, you're focused specifically on just your breath how you feel when you're inhaling and exhaling you know maybe you want to count your how many seconds you inhale how many seconds you exhale or you want you feel like your diaphragm expanding or you know think however you want to focus even because when you say mindfulness in the definition it's just um the practice of focusing your attention on the present but in the present there's so much going on you don't even realize even if you're just focusing on your breath there's so many parts within your breath that it's like what do i even focus on yeah Yeah. (laughs) i want to that's that was my like when i first started i'm like well what do i focus on do i focus on like my breathing do i focus on my body like what do i even do like i was so like yeah all over the place that's funny i want to also point out that within mindfulness It doesn't need to be like meditation where you like sit down and you like think about it. It doesn't need to be like a a space where you like set aside five minutes to be mindful. It could Mm -hmm. be. But I think mindfulness is about life and how you interact with other people, yourself, other things, how you eat, all kinds of things. I think it's a practice that you should do in your life. And Mm -hmm. for me, something that really helps, um, this is just kind of random, but is Chrome extensions. And there's one for mindfulness where every time you open a new tab, actually, it, every time you open a new tab, it gives me it, the screen says, take a couple of breaths. Or yeah. it says, do do a body scan, like you mentioned. That's and it's awesome. sort of, yeah, incorporating different different practices um, in like into your day, really. You can practice mindfulness while you're eating, too. It's all different kinds of things um, where you don't need to, if you don't want to like sit down and take five minutes out of your day to do it. Just try to check in with with yourself throughout the day and say, am I being mindful? Am I doing what I want to do right now? That sort of a thing. Um, so why don't we get into meditation? Okay, meditation. So meditation is a practice where an individual uses a technique to train their attention and awareness and achieve a mentally clear and emotionally calm, stable state. Kind of a long definition, (laughs) but pretty much it's just a practice where you can achieve a mentally clear, 
clear-headed, calm, and stable state, and you use different techniques in doing so. Interestingly enough, mindfulness is a type of technique you can use within meditation, but there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different types. Um, And meditation can produce a deep and state, sorry, a deep state of relaxing and a tranquil mind. So it's more focused on being super like, look, this is what you think of when you think setting five minutes, setting 10 minutes aside, closing your eyes, feeling grounded, feeling, you know, maybe listening to very relaxing, like Zen music. And that's kind of like, when I at least think of meditation, this is what I think of. Yeah. You know, people obviously can meditate in their own different ways, but it's very kind of the goal is to just achieve a clear and relaxed and tranquil mind. Uh, and then when meditating, you really focus your attention and eliminate the stream of, um, you know, jumbled thoughts that may be crowding your mind and causing stress. So that's the main goal. Mm-hmm. And that's a little different in mindfulness because when you're being mindful, you're just kind of recognizing what's going on without judgment. And in meditation, you really want to eliminate the, all the like eliminate your jumbling thoughts so that you can achieve yeah. a very stress-free and calm state of mind. Something that's interesting about this, and I totally agree. I'm not disagreeing. Something that's interesting is people with really bad anxiety Um, it's really hard to meditate. Mm -hmm. I learned about this um, recently where some people, when let's just say they're having a panic attack or something, to sit down and focus and control your thoughts when you have anxiety, which is like the biggest contributor to racing thoughts, the inability to sit still and calm down. Mindfulness or meditation, I mean, can be so difficult, so oh, yeah. frustrating. A hundred percent. I just wanted to point that out. It, no, it, I thought it was interesting. Uh, yes, and a lot of it's very interesting. And a lot of people think that you know you have racing so- thoughts. Yeah, just sit down and meditate. And, you know, you'll be right. okay. I can say from firsthand experience. That's never worked for me. Maybe some people it does, and kudos to you. (laughs) But for me, it's just really difficult when you're so occupied on racing thoughts, or even if your thoughts aren't racing, and you have more of a freeze response to your anxiety, it still is difficult because you're just so focused on, you know, your thoughts or, you know, what's going on. And it's hard to, like, put that aside and be strong and sit down and meditate, even if you can't do that. And I've tried, but... It just the thoughts are just competing with each other. You know, part right. of you is anxious and part of you is trying to relax and just not. It's it's very very difficult. And one thing that I like to do is I actually and this is more towards mindfulness. But what I like to do is I like to do mindful like walking or like I go on hikes or go on a walk and really kind of like to be in nature and it helps me when I'm feeling anxious because I'm I'm doing something. I'm not sitting down and being very sedentary. I'm actually walking and like being active and getting my heart rate pumping and get a little distraction and kind of just trying to observe what's going on around me. And that's something that I find that's, you know, really helpful. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because I was going to say, um, like, I totally agree that sometimes meditation is challenging when you're, when your thoughts are racing So I wouldn't recommend for anybody with anxiety to meditate, especially when they're in a very anxious state, especially not when you're having a panic attack. Um, But I would say when you're in that anxious state, that's when you practice journaling or mindfulness. Yeah. You, You recognize those thoughts. Don't ignore them. Don't just try to calm down blindly. No. Say, oh, that's interesting. I'm anxious about that. Or or that person is really making me upset. They're, that's worrying me. Whatever it is, appreciate that. Notice that without any judgment. Write it down if you think it's important or you want to come back to it. That's what I like to do mm-hmm. is if I'm really upset, journaling yeah. for me and being mindful about what thoughts and actions come to mind. Um, that's what helps me calm down and ground myself and find maybe the root of what's going on. Right. I agree. I'm kind of just getting into this little debate or discussion. I have a question for you. So I know, 
you're you're a pro at, at journaling compared to me. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on someone saying, well, I don't like to journal, but I like to voice record or get my get my like emotions out. What look me actually talking rather than writing it down, whether it may be talking to a friend, like calling a friend or voice recording or whatever, but not writing it. What are your thoughts on that? That's really interesting. Um, I've never even heard of that, someone doing a voice recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I say any sort of practice or tool like that, if it's helping you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I And I think that like doing a voice recording is probably just another way to journal. You're just not mm-hmm. writing it or typing it. Like yeah. some people argue you're not journaling if you're not writing it. No, you can type you can type out how you're feeling and it mm-hmm. it still qualifies as journaling, you know. That's a big part of this is there's no judgment. You do what works for you. Right. And something like a voice recording that's interesting is you can come back to it just like you can writing anything down. Mm-hmm. You can replay it in your head. You can – or replay it out loud if you want to say, hmm, what was I feeling then? Or that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um and something that's interesting is whenever I go for a bike ride or something and I'm in my head and I'm thinking about all these different things, um, I can't just like sit down in front of my computer or or take out my notebook and write something down. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is in my phone, I use the voice dictation thing in my notes app and I say whatever I was thinking. So yeah. it's kind of like that. It's kind of similar. I mean, it's just another way of talking things out um, and getting things out. My only thing with talking to a friend, which can be very beneficial as well, talking to a friend gets more complicated because yeah. you need to think mm-hmm. about, are you going to call them, meet them in person? Well, that would take time. Do you really want to call a friend while you're crying? Like, that's the only thing where it's like, I don't want to. I'd rather sit with my thoughts and be accepting. Are how good or deep or smart of a friend are they? Are they going to tell me calm down or are they going to tell me I'm sorry you're feeling that way? You know, there's a lot of variables when it comes to talking to a friend. I think I it can be so beneficial. I yeah. love that you said that. But when it comes to journaling, there's no judgment. It takes no time at all. You just pull out your phone, your computer, your notebook, whatever. So I think when you're conversing with a friend, there's a lot of other variables to it where if you're talking to your friend, do you want advice? Do you want them to empathize? Do you want them right. to tell you to calm down? It's like there's a lot of questions up in the air. And for me, when I'm upset or anxious or whatever, the last thing I want is to have to tell my friend how to act, you know, or to call my friend while I'm crying. For me, that's just uncomfortable. I'd rather 100, myself 100%. be more accepting. Yeah, I agree. And I think what that, do you think? like you said, there's so many variables and your friend could be the most amazing person in the world and you can trust them with everything, yeah. but they don't always know what to say. And they can exactly. say something and make you feel really great and give you great advice, but they could also say something that just makes your situation so much worse because even if what they said specifically doesn't make it worse, but sometimes your friend could say something and then after they're not helping and you just feel like, well, I reached out, nobody could help me. You go through another big spiral because exactly. you're trying to get help. It's not working. And you feel more hopeless. You're getting yeah. more and more hopeless and it's, it is a huge spiral and it has nothing to do with if you have a good or bad friend it's more just they might just not know what to say or how to help you and that doesn't make them a bad friend at all but there are so many more variables and it's it's very very true i feel like usually they want to just make you feel better or they give you advice but sometimes you might just want to vent yeah exactly and a lot of the times that i notice especially with people our age people don't like to listen so much they you you could be crying and venting and they just want to interrupt and say not in a negative way not like they don't want you to talk but they're just no no how about you try this or it's okay don't worry don't worry look as you're kind of in the middle of venting where when I notice in therapy 
you finish your whole like rant or whatever. Rant. Yeah. No interruptions, no questions asked, nothing. It's just you talking and you're just right. sitting there and being heard. And that's a big difference. And just a lot of the times people naturally don't want to listen. They also don't have a long attention span. They want to just jump in and help you. And they don't want to see you cry or they don't want to listen to what you have to say or whatever it may be. But they just kind of want to jump in and you never really get your full emotions like off your chest. That's my opinion. I, I think that's so true. I didn't think about that, but it's, I mean, exactly. Um, and, and that can be so much more triggering um, to be already in a vulnerable or, or sad or anxious, whatever it is, state. And then to have a person trying to help you and it's not working and they're just upsetting you even more and they're giving you more <laughs> ideas, but you don't want any ideas. You just want to cry. So I think yeah. that's very, very true. Um, and I would say yes for the voice recording. That's great. I mean, if that's your medium of journaling, perfect. If you're upset about something when you're with a friend, then you can talk to them about it. But mm-hmm. would it be my personal first attempt at feeling better? No. Agreed. It wouldn't because of all those variables. 100% agree with you. So why don't we talk about quickly the difference between meditation and mindfulness and then we'll get into our debate okay so meditation is a practice so okay meditation is more of a practice and through this practice you can uh, develop different qualities which include mindfulness but mindfulness describes a specific way of living that can be cultivated through practice. So pretty much to simplify that, mindfulness is a technique that can be used in meditation. So there's different types of techniques you can use within meditation. Mindfulness is one of those techniques, but it is a very big technique that within that you have different types of mindfulness and different ways of you know, recognizing your emotions and no judgment. And there's, it's very, very deep and, you know, well-rounded that it is kind of its own little category when I look at it. So, yeah, that's great. So let's talk about good or bad. Let's talk first therapy. Um, I mean, we probably know my, uh, my, my, decision on this considering I want to do be a part of the therapeutic process when I'm older I want to work in mental health um I think it's great and I think it's great for everyone not just people with mental illness not just people who are quote-unquote crazy not just (laughs) not just kids who don't like their parents not just you know people who are struggling um it can literally be you notice one thing that's that's bothering you and it can change your whole perspective it can make you more effective at life it can make you more self and does make you more self-aware mm-hmm. um for me and i'm and i'm saying this i've been to therapy and therapy has been life-changing and it's been the way that i've that I get to know myself, understand how I react, why I act the way that I do, everything. And it helps me be a happier, more reasonable human being. I love therapy. Um, And it's hard in the moment, not only to find help, find the right therapist, find, um, you know, all the different variables within that. And it's hard to show up And nobody likes talking about their feelings, except me a little bit. But in the long run, a little, I like to, but in in (laughs) the long run, it's so beneficial. And once you start seeing results, life changing. Yeah. What do you think? What do I think? (laughs) You can, you can agree or disagree. I 100% agree with 
the fact that therapy is not just for you know quote-unquote crazy people that whole shebang that you broke down (laughs) I do think so many people can benefit from therapy you don't need to have specific problems or issues or uh, mental health conditions or anything along those lines to get therapy I think an average person that would you know consider themselves mentally stable or you know not experiencing any mental health conditions or negative you know states things along those lines I think that person could also tremendously benefit from therapy because any state that you're at I think uh, therapy could just benefit you and take you you know 10 steps higher whether you're in the negatives and need to be you know having a really really difficult time and you know therapy can bring you back up to quote-unquote normal or feeling good or feeling whatever or if you're feeling good therapy can make you feel great you know I think that there's just different stages and there's just there's not one way of therapy there's of course different types of therapy and depending on who you are and what your needs are you know therapy can look different for you now I my you want to jump in I I just want to jump in really quick or go for it one of my things One of my things I know is going to be in response to the next thing that you say. I just want to say real quick, DBT and CBT are just two types of therapy. There's all different kinds. There's somatic experience therapy. There's so many different kinds of therapy, trauma-based therapy, Mm -hmm. eating disorder-based therapy, literally all different kinds of things. And I just wanted to add, and then I'll say the other thing that I know is going to be my response to your next thing. Um, Every single person has at least one struggle in their life, guaranteed. Every single person has experienced something that was not necessarily traumatic, but difficult. And and what better way to get through that than therapy? Learn those positive coping skills, all that stuff. So let's let's hear your butt. Let's hear your your criticism. It's not a but. I go to therapy. I like therapy. But But Oh, wait, there, there is a vibe. I have a, just a little different take. I I love going to therapy. I love, I don't scratch that. I like, I love how I feel when I'm done with therapy. But mm-hmm. I cannot say that I <clears throat> look forward to sitting down for 50 minutes and talking about my emotions. Yeah. Personally, I don't like to do that I'm very I, I don't like to talk about my emotions but that's the whole reason why I started going to therapy is that I can actually get my feelings out and not bundle right. up everything inside so after I feel great I feel like I just lifted 30 pounds off my chest mm-hmm. but yeah. when I'm going into it I'm like ah therapy this better be the quickest 50 minutes of my life type of thing <laughs> but But of course, I love how I feel. I love the benefits. It is amazing. It's great. And it's kind of funny because as I'm talking about this, I'm kind of, you know, being mindful, realizing how I even feel about therapy. I never really thought about this, but it's a cycle because I don't like going to therapy. Then I'm in therapy. I'm like, oh, I need to talk about my emotions. And then after therapy, I feel great. I feel like I can go run a marathon. And this same thing happens to me every single week. And it's yeah. honestly, it's really funny, but it's really great because it's just so beneficial. And I never, I don't, although I don't look forward to it, I, I don't, I don't even think about stopping therapy or not wanting to do it anymore because right. I, it, you know, it just makes you feel great. It makes you feel good about yourself and uh, let everything out. You learn a lot of skills and different coping mechanisms. And to, I think it's a great tool. And I think a lot of people would benefit from it. So that's my yeah. take. So my, my comment on that, my <laughs> response, because I, I knew you were going to say something along those lines. <sighs> Okay, to go to therapy, to get help, to change your life for the better, to make positive changes, you have to want to get help. That's the biggest thing. And I think most people going to therapy, who are signing up, who are paying, who are showing up every day or every time, want to get help. There's something there, right? There's something like keeping you there, all those things. 
but to be, so to be in therapy, to see the benefits, you have to want to get help. That's one thing. That's where it gets kind of complicated when you have um, pediatric therapy, like kids, kids going to therapy because how much of it is their parents pushing them to go to therapy, you know, but when it's an adult or a teenager, you can make your own decision. So that's the first, first thing is to go to therapy to see the benefits. You need to want to be there, but you do not need to want to talk about your emotions. You do not need to be the most open person in the world Mm -hmm. because not everybody's like that. I'm kind of like that. You're not I'm really like so that. You not know? Like that. <laughs> so really the only requirement to go to therapy is to have an issue or a struggle or just you want to improve yourself and to want to get better. You don't need mm-hmm. to be insanely open or or really talkative even mm-hmm. because a part of therapy is or should be is unpacking why you're not that talkative. Why do you hold those emotions in? All that kind of stuff. So you don't need to be this like talkative person who enjoys talking about their feelings. 100%. You just need to show up, really. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out to, to see the benefits of therapy, you need to like your therapist. You need to have a good connection, feel comfortable around them. They need to not be crossing the line, no boundaries being crossed. Um, yeah, yeah. That's super important. That's, that's a huge part of therapy and of being able to tolerate it is, okay, I don't like spilling out my feelings, but at least I like him or her. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. And not everyone finds the right therapist the first time they go and are introduced right. to someone. And It's usually not the of, first. Yeah, it, it usually isn't. You're right. And you kind of will get the vibe and see you know this Mm -hmm. is working it's all about the vibe yeah you know what this really isn't just working out i don't really like them it's just i don't feel comfortable there's just so many different things and you you kind of will get to know in the beginning if you know it's not the right person and that's fine and then you can look for someone else and try to find the right person and do the research on them and kind of see what they specialize in or you know things along those lines yeah I'm glad that you said that because most people don't find the right therapist the first time and therapists won't be hurt if you tell them you know you're (laughs) breaking up with them or or you or you're like not that into it because they they probably hear it all the time and and they're they're doing their job to make a difference not to pass any judgment you know so that's a huge part so let's talk about good or bad medication. This is the kicker. This is so the kicker. Why don't you start? Because I started with therapy. Okay. Medication. So I think that medication is, there's no one right answer. Is it good or is it yeah. bad? I think there's so many things that, you know, come into play with medication. I think that if you are struggling and you notice that and you want to get help in my opinion the first go-to should not be medication i think it should be closer to the last type of resorts i think that there's so many beneficial ways so many different types of therapies i mean we just broke down i don't know just a couple of things that could help you that are not non-medication related different types of therapies different types of self-care you can do or you know actions like journaling and meditation and things like that that you can do that I think you should you definitely need to try these things first before just kind of taking Mm -hmm. medication taking the easy way out and just you know what let me just do that and feel better because getting better and getting that change is not always going to be the easiest thing and you can recognize that and that's okay but you know taking the first step trying different things you know going trying different therapies different things that could help you i think those will really it's not it won't just put a band-aid on your problem it'll really like find the trigger find the problem and the cause and you know figure out how to cope find the solution and if there's no solution how do i cope with my feelings my problems etc cetera, etc cetera. i think that 
if you if of course you're really going down a rabbit hole you know you're really really in it you just have no other options you've tried everything or you know i forget what word you used some phrase earlier i forget what you said but if you're just really in that deep negative state you're drowning yeah yeah if you're drown, exactly yeah. yeah if you're drowning in symptoms then of course, take medication. It's available. You know, a psychiatrist yeah. can provide it to you. But it's not just here's a prescription and that's it. You know, you do need to do things, you know, therapy and other things hand in hand with your medication. So, but I do think that medication shouldn't be the first option. But that's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I really, I can't disagree with that. I think that's very reasonable. There should be sort of um a path or steps to getting help for some people some people they're stressed and they're sad so they're able to work out every day and that really gets rid of the stress and the sadness but it's when the stress turns to turns into anxiety and then the sadness turns into depression that you need to start looking into more treatments than Mm -hmm. than just like tools or something like exercise And so I think if you've tried to meditate and journal or whatever, and you've tried to exercise daily and you're still feeling those severe symptoms, go to therapy. Just like I said, try, try different therapists until you find the right one. Different therapy could, could help you. Not all therapy is, is the same. Um, so try out different kinds of therapy, um, and then if that's not enough, if you're still drowning in those symptoms, then then you go see a psychiatrist. You talk to them about your different options. Now, I have heard that one would need to be on a psychotropic medication for at least two months to see the benefits. Mm-hmm. So, I heard the same. So it's really important not to get on for a couple days and be like, no, I'm good, you know. If, if it's this, the side effects are horrible, then of course you get off if it's unbearable. But if you haven't felt the benefits and it's been a week, you stay on, you figure it out. You know, mental health treatment is not a quick fix at all. It can take mm-hmm. years and years and years. Um, some people start at 16, some people start at 40. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter how long it takes. You go until you figure it out. So I kind of agree. Start with doing little self-help or self-care things and uh, and then try therapy. All different mm-hmm. kinds, different therapists um, that you think can help you and then go from there. If, you still, if you're still really struggling, um, unfortunately, a lot of people with, with depressive symptoms can't shower every day. They can't get up to eat. It's can symptoms can sometimes be so unbearable that it's affecting your physical health as well your hygiene if that's happening i mean see a psychiatrist see what see what you can do so i agree with you on that front Mm -hmm. i agree with you too i agree with the the last things that you added and pointed yeah i mean We're pretty much in agreement. I think it's more of a discussion than a debate at this point. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we can agree with with those mindfulness, meditation, and journaling. I don't know. It kind of depends on the person, really, what works best for you. Yeah. Like, kind of like we talked about last time, what's the best type of exercise? The exercise that you're going to do. Just like (laughs) this, what's the best mental health tool it's one where you're going to show up and you're going to do it so that's what i would say for that stuff love that all right guys well thank you so much for listening this was a long episode but a very interesting debate and discussion we hope you learned something we hope maybe if you're struggling if you're struggling with a mental health issue or you're going through something maybe you research some some therapy, some help, self-help tools. Maybe you try meditation tonight. Who knows? Just try yeah. <laughs> try something new. We hope you guys learn something. Guys, I'm sorry. I had to jump in. 
it's not as it's not as bad as it seems <laughs> it's really not just take the yeah. first step just try it a yeah. couple minutes try to journal try to meditate try to do something in yeah. the right direction you know the word is a little bit you know, like uh not for me you know gives Meditation. off a different vibe. really exactly yeah. that's exactly what it gives off but you know what yeah. Who cares? Just try it. See how you feel. Yeah. See, you know, see if it makes you feel better. See if there's different yeah. types of, you know, meditation or whatever that you like and works for you and play around with it. I I totally I totally agree. You can you can make it fun and interesting. I mean, yeah. like like you said you need a prompt, you need a question. Look online, journaling prompts, journaling books. There's so many fun ones. There's ones where you can write your own autobiography really it's ask like it there's a journal that asks you all these questions um about yourself that's so cool i know and it's literally a book biography yeah that's a good with one. all these journal prompts it's really cool just try something out if you're struggling if you want something to do if you're bored and especially in quarantine i mean a lot of people are struggling with their mental health so yeah. take the actions that you need to feel better And we'll see you in the next one. See ya.